God is so good and his grace is amazing. Grace is one of those um, words that are really hard to explain. Um, I was re- I've been reading a book, Philip Yancey. I saw this book, oh, 15 years ago. I think I've been with, with um, JSMI now. So I saw it about 14 years ago when I first started coming to the church. And I recognized the name Philip Yancey because he wrote a book called Where Is God When It Hurts? And I read it when I was about 14 years old. And um, I don't know what I must have been going through then, but I, it, picked, it, I, it caught my eye. And it was an amazing book. It was nothing what I thought it was going to be. But Philip Yancey is, a, is an amazing writer. So I picked up that book about 14 years ago. And it had just been sitting on my bookshelf. And grace is, again, like I say, it's a difficult, hard to explain, word to explain or describe. And um, I heard a story probably about eight months ago that caught my attention and it was out of this book. So I picked it up. And in fact, it's funny because Philip Yancey says, if you try to explain grace, it's kind of like dissecting a frog. You have all its innards out and when you're done, it's dead. (laughs) So it's kind of like one of those things. It's like you try to explain it and explain it and explain it and before you know it, yeah, yeah, you've killed it and it's not good. So it's, grace is something you have to experience. And I believe that we heard this morning from someone who experienced grace. Truly, the grace of God, truly, it changed her life. And it was grace from her mother, grace from a church, from people. I'm sure there were church people that did not Um, encourage her, but because there were church people that did, that saw God in her, saw something more than what what she saw and poured into her that has made her what she is now today. So, and grace is something, it's undeserved. It's, It's unmerited. You can't earn it. I'm going to read to you the story that I heard because I want us I want to challenge us as women of faith and women of grace to step into a higher level of being gracious because there are so many Heather Johnsons out there and they need to know God. They need to know that there is a God who loves them unconditionally. Do you know that God loves you so much? There is nothing you can do to make him love you any less. And there is actually nothing you can do to make him love you any more. I think of a, a, the rich young ruler in the Bible. You know, he said he followed every commandment. He did everything right, didn't he? Isn't that what he said? I know all these commandments and I do all these things. But he said to, the, to Jesus, he said, Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Did he have it right? No. Is there anything that you can do to inherit eternal life? No. You receive it. You receive it. And see, we get into this mindset that we're to do something in order to receive something. And grace is just a gift. You receive it. Jesus already did everything 
He did everything. He accomplished it all on the cross for us. And all we have to do is receive it. So he actually had it wrong. There is nothing. And then it's funny because Jesus told him there's, there's one thing lacking. You must because he said, I follow every commandment to the T. I do everything just right. And Jesus said, but there's one thing. There's one thing. And we need to know about grace. Um, I'm going to read this story to you. There was a down and out lady, a prostitute in Chicago, who was homeless and sick, and she was unable to buy food for her two-year-old daughter. And through sobs and tears, she told me she had been renting out her daughter, her two-year-old, to men interested. She made more renting out her daughter for an hour than she could earn herself in one night. She had to do it, she said, to support her own drug habit. I could hardly bear hearing her sordid story. For one thing, it made me legally liable. I'm required to report cases of child abuse, and I had no idea what to say to this woman. At last, I asked if she had ever thought of going to a church for help. I will never forget the look of pure, naive shock that crossed her face. Church, she cried. Why would I ever go there? I was already feeling terrible about myself. They would just make me feel worse. And I heard this story, and it hurt my heart. I mean, it literally just hurt my heart. Because I thought, church is the place where we're supposed to go to get healed. Church is the place where we're supposed to go to get help. Jesus said, I didn't come for the righteous. I didn't come for those that that don't need me. I'm here for the sick. I'm here for those that are down and out. Amen. And Philip Yancey says... um, he, he was born in, in church, raised in church, and he too became disillusioned. I don't know his whole story, but he says, I rejected the church for a time because I found so little grace there. I returned because I found grace nowhere else. The one thing that is different about Christianity and every other religion in the world is God's grace. Every other religion, you have to do something to get something. You're not just forgiven just because you ask to be forgiven. You, or a lot of times you feel like you've got to get cleaned up before you actually go into church, you know. Um, this was a very interesting story to me, and I thought about it while she was speaking. It's a story of Ernest Hemingway, and if, I don't know if you all know who Ernest Hemingway is. He was a writer. He was a very um, disturbed person who could have become something amazing for the kingdom of God, because I bet y'all didn't know that he came from a very devout evangelical family. I didn't know that. Um, and yet he never experienced the grace of Christ. He lived a libertine and I looked that up and that word means it says he lived a very libertine life, which means no restraints on his life. No restraints. Um, he was into all kinds of things. That most of us call dissolute, but there was no father, no parent waiting for him, and he sank into the mire of a graceless depression. A short story he wrote perhaps reveals the grace that he hoped for. How many of y'all know there's a world out there that craves and needs God? They really do. They don't even know that that's what they need, but that's what they need. Um, 
It is the story of a Spanish father who decided to reconcile with his son who had run away to Madrid. The father, in a moment of remorse, he takes out this ad in El Libro. It's a newspaper. And he writes, Paco, meet me at Hotel Montana, noon, Tuesday. All is forgiven. Papa. When the father arrived at the square in hopes of meeting his son, he found 800 Pacos waiting to be reunited with their father. Was Paco such a popular name, apparently? Or is the father's forgiveness the salve for every soul? Isn't that amazing? I thought about that and I thought, who could he have been had he experienced grace? In fact, as the story goes about Hemingway, his mother told him she had, he, he had to earn back her love and he would, for his birthday and for, you know, he didn't hear from them for years. They just disowned him. And as a result of that, I believe, did he, did he commit suicide? He committed suicide. So grace, Galatians 1.15 says that we have been called by his grace. That's in Galatians 15 through 16. And Isaiah, if, you, if you're taking notes, just write these scriptures down and you can go back and look at them. Galatians 1, 15 through 16, Isaiah 49, 1 and Jeremiah 1, 5. They all say the same thing, that we have been called by his grace, by his favor and his blessing. Um, in fact, it says, when he had chosen and set me apart, even before I was born, he had called me. By his grace is what it says. He called us by name. He called us by name from the very beginning. It says he saw fit and was pleased to reveal his son within me so that I might what? Proclaim him among the Gentiles. Verse 16, as the gospel, you have grace on the inside of you. As we heard when I first started out in Zechariah 2.10, it says the spirit of grace is God. The spirit of grace is God. The Holy Spirit is God's grace. And you all had a chance to, um, if you didn't know the Lord Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you had a chance for that. But before you leave this morning, I'm going to give you a chance to receive the Holy Spirit into your life. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, being filled with his grace, being filled with the empowerment of who he is, the truth of who he is. Now, is it for you? Yes, it's for you. But is it just for you? You've been called by God's grace for what? For others. He saw fit. He saw us fit (laughs) to put his power, his resurrection power on the inside, inside of us for the nations, the word says, for the nations. In verse 16, who are the nations? Galatians 3, 8, it says, in you shall the nations of the earth be blessed. Who are the nations? Nations represent a people group. It doesn't actually necessarily mean that we are called to Africa or we're called to South America or we're called to China. It means we are called to someone Say, I am a nation. <laughs> I, people groups. 
We can't be afraid to be a light because that's what he's put on the inside of us. You know, I know what it's like to, um, to be told by God, I've called you and you're supposed to speak about me. You're supposed to tell people about me. Here's the thing about grace is you can't be gracious if you've not experienced grace. So have you experienced God grace? Do you understand what you've been saved from? Have you, do you know what it's like to be rescued? I mean, literally rescued where you were actually headed one way going to hell, basically. I mean, literally, do you know what you've been saved from? And there's so many people out there, people that you work with, people that you run into all the time. They need to know God's grace, God's goodness, that he welcomes us back, doesn't he? I mean, I think of the prodigal son. I love that story. And it, because it shows, it shows a, a heart that want a person who wants to do anything on their own. Am I right? Isn't that what he wanted to do? He basically said, you're as good as dead to me, father. I want my inheritance and I want it now. And what that basically meant was you're dead to me. And we all know that story. What did the father do? He gave it to him. And then he waited. And he looked for him. And he looked for him. And and I love that it says that even while he saw him afar off, He had compassion and mercy for him. I just want my son back. I just want my son back. And I want you to hear this morning that there are people out there that God is calling home, but he's calling us to them to tell them about him. There's a father that says, I want you to come home. I love that story about Paco. I mean, it's like the father just put it in the newspaper. I forgive you. Let's make it okay. I forgive you. There's also a, I didn't know about this, but there is a, in Los Angeles, I'm trying to think of what it's called. It's a a, a number that you can call in Los Angeles and you can confess to an answering machine. Yeah, you can just call it. It's called Apology Sound Offline. Okay? Guilt exposes a longing for grace. And there's people out there that live in guilt and shame. And they long for grace. They long to be forgiven. An organization in Los Angeles operates the Apology Sound Offline. It's a telephone service that gives caller an opportunity to confess their wrongs for the price of a phone call. People who no longer believe in priests now trust their sins to an answering machine. They get over 200 anonymous phone calls a day. People will call in and leave just, you're supposed to leave just a 60 second message. Adultery is a common confession. Some callers confess to criminal acts, rape, child sexual abuse, and even murder. A recovering alcoholic left the message. He says, I would like to apologize to all the people I hurt in my 18 years as an addict. A lady called a young woman and all she did was sob. For 60 seconds and said, I just want to say I'm sorry. I just want to say I'm sorry. There was another lady who called and said, I caused an automobile accident in which five people died. I wish I could bring them back. Now you tell me, is there not a need 
for grace. There's the need for grace. But we live in an ungraced world. From the time that our children are little, when we're in preschool, we teach them how to earn stars and earn privileges. And, and, you know, you have to work hard. And yes, that's true. We live in, I mean, we live in an ungraced world, but that's not how God is. Is that how God is? Because I think of, I think of when Jesus was on the cross and that thief criminal that deserved to be on the cross. What did he say? He turned and looked at Jesus. Didn't he? He called on him. He called on God. And what did Jesus tell him? Today, today you will be in paradise with me. Did that man have a chance to go to Bible study, get baptized? Did he get baptized? No. Did he, did he learn any, did he, you know what I mean? But that day he said, today you will see me. We will be together in paradise. Now, is that grace or not? Yes. He's on a dying, he's dying on a cross and, and there's, and here's a world that thinks that they can't walk into a church because they're going to be judged. They're going to be looked down on. They're going to made feel worse than what they already are. And this is the place where they need to be, where they need to be loved. Yes, grace is a hard message to preach because it is being preached wrong. It, 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 there's, and, and I was having an issue with this. I've been studying on it for a while now, and I'm like, God, how do you do this? How, how will I get this across? Because grace is not permission to just continue living the same way that you want to live without a consequence. Years ago, when my kids were little, I've been, I've been seeking grace for a while. <laughs> seeking it to learn it. I found it in this church and I found it in a man as well. Um, for those of y'all who have been hurt by a man, it, it was amazing that it's through a man that God healed my heart because he was very gracious and showed me the love of God. I read a book by Chuck Swindoll and it was called Grace. And I read parts of it and this is how he explained Grace. For those of you, and yesterday I remembered it, or day before yesterday, I'm like, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense now because I'm a grandma. And um, it, the story goes, there's this grandfather who has a daughter who is a single mom, and she's got like four children. And apparently they would get into it about how to raise the children, because he would tell her how to raise the children. And so she had said, you can come over, but you can't tell me how to do anything. You know, I want you to spend time with me and the kids, but you have to, you know, so... He comes over and he's sitting at the table and all the kids are sitting at the table and the one little girl gets in trouble and continues to get in trouble. He thinks I'm going to, I'm not saying anything. Well, the mom gets after her and tells her she needs to go stand in the corner and he bites his tongue and he's like, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to say anything. And he, you know, he feels bad for her because she got in trouble and had to go stand in the corner. So the next day, um, he comes over to the house, he knocks on the door, and he's got a basket. And she answers the door and she says, he says to his daughter, he says, I know I'm not telling you how to discipline your child. I'm not telling you how to raise her or anything like that. You're, you know, he says, but if she has to stand in the corner, he said, I brought over some posters of little puppies and kittens that we can put in that corner. So if she has to stand in the corner, at least she has something nice to look at. And that's how he described grace. 
We're going to do things. We're going to make mistakes. There's going to be natural consequences. We will have to stand in the corner. Grace is God will be there with you. God will be there with you. He'll see you through. How many of y'all at, at any point have ever said, God, I wish you would just take this away all the time, all the time. Make this go away. It's too hard. I can't do this anymore. Just make it go away. Why won't you make it go away? Why won't you make it stop? Sometimes that's like on Sunday morning when you're trying to get dressed and you've got little kids to get dressed and get going to church or a husband to get ready. It's a hard time getting pastor to get up and come in. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) The alarm's going off. You've got to get there. You're the pastor. Um, But... A lot of times we, we do as women, we we're like, Oh, how about, have you ever tried putting a child to, to sleep, you know, or you're nursing them and it's, you know, late and you're going, Oh, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, baby, go to sleep now. And, and then, and you pray. I mean, you really, you get into the spirit a lot when you're trying to put your kids to sleep. And you're, and you're, you're just praying and wishing, oh, just let them all go to sleep at the same time. And then, you know, or if they're sick, you know, or we, we pray that these things just go away quickly. But sometimes they're not going to go away quickly. God says, I'm just going to give you the grace to walk through it. Because you're going to walk through it. You are. That's what his grace is. There's a scripture that says he gives grace and more grace. Let's go there. Because I need that. I don't just need grace. I need more grace. That's in James 4, 6. James 4, 6. And you have to read... I don't, I take a long time when I'm reading my Bible and when I'm studying because I learned in school, um, that you don't just read that one chap, that one verse, you read the whole chapter, you read the chapter before and you read the chapter after and you find out who's talking to who and why they're talking and what's happening. Right. So, um, you have to understand what's happening here. I'm going to, let's go back up to, let's do James 4, 3. Actually, James 4, 2, he says, you don't, you don't have because you don't ask. Verse 3 says, you do ask God for them and yet fail to receive because you ask with the wrong purpose or evil or selfish motive. Your intention is to spend it on sensual pleasures, which actually means yourself or, um, flesh. Verse four says you are like unfaithful wives having illicit love affairs with the world and breaking your marriage vow to God. Do you not know that being the world's friend is being God's enemy? I know Heather touched on that too. What are you doing there? So whoever chooses to be a friend of the world takes his stand as an enemy of God is what it says. Verse 5 says, or do you suppose that the scripture is speaking to no purpose? How many of y'all have ever said that to your teenage child? Do I, am I just talking to hear myself speak? <laughs> okay, so it, it means pay attention. Or do you suppose that the scripture, which is Jesus, God, the word, is speaking to no purpose that says the spirit whom he has caused to dwell in us yearns 
over us and he yearns for the spirit to be welcomed with a jealous love. Amen. And we know that the spirit of God is the grace of God. It says in verse six, but he gives us more and more grace, power of the Holy Spirit to meet this evil tendency and all others fully. What is the evil tendency? Evil tendency is to do my own thing, to judge, judge it based on me rather than go. This is an opportunity to show God's grace. That's what it says. He gives us more and more grace, power of the Holy Spirit to meet this evil tendency and all others fully. That is why he says God sets himself up against the proud and haughty. But he gives grace. He gives grace to those who are humble. That means you ask for help. Amen. We're asking God for help. I can't do this on my own. That's my When I think of grace, I think it's the empowerment to do everything I can't do on my own. And I was talking to Stephanie. Where's Stephanie? Where'd she go? I bet she's in the kitchen. You know what? That's everything. That's everything. Isn't that right? Grace is the empowerment to do what I cannot do on my own. That's everything. Pretty much. That's it. Everything. I am relying fully on the grace of God, the spirit of God, the spirit of God. And you know what? He's not going to let me yield to my flesh or give in to my evil tendency to want to judge the situation on my own. Amen. Flip a page if you um, have a Bible like mine (laughs) to chapter two. I was reading this this morning, James 2, 17. And I know you all have heard this scripture before. I'm talking to faith women in here, women that are full of the word of God, because if you're full of faith, you're full of the word because it's the word that produces faith. Okay. It's the word that produces faith. James 2, 17, it says, so also faith, it does not have, if it does not have works is what? Dead. It's destitute of power. It's inoperative. It doesn't work. So also faith, if it does not have works, deeds or actions of obedience to back it up by itself is destitute of power. It is dead. What this means is I believe, therefore I obey. I obey not to prove my faith, but because I have faith, an action is born. An action is born. Because I have the word of God on the inside of me, I am, in, I am compelled to do something as a result of that. I believe that this chair will hold me, so therefore I sit. Okay? I believe, I don't have to prove, I'm, and, and, and we get confused sometimes. We, we say, if, if you don't act, if, Faith without works is dead. And yes, that is how you say it. That is what it says. But what what I want to get across to you is that you've got to be so full of faith, so full of the spirit of grace of God on the inside of you that you, it almost is automatic. You don't even have to think about it. I'm going to tell this person, I'm going to love on this person. If somebody comes up to you and says to you, I've committed this horrendous, I mean, it's kind of like what we were hearing this morning. You I need to be able to come and tell you 
I'm going through something really horrible right now. I did this and I need, I just need to tell somebody. And they know that you're a person of faith. And once they tell you that, what's going to rise up out of the inside of you? What, what is going to rise up out of the in- grace because of faith, because of the word that's inside of you. I know people who have walked into church and I know they don't feel like they're welcomed. And in fact, there's a story of a lady who, who walks in and she had never spoken to the pastor's wife and she happened to run into her. And the lady said, you know, the pastor's wife said, I haven't seen you in a while. And, and, um, the woman thought I've never spoken to you. I've been coming here for so many years. I've never spoken to you before, but okay. And she told her what was happening in her life that her and her husband had gotten a divorce. Well, in front of her children and in the lobby, the pastor's wife proceeds to say, I thought you all loved Jesus. What are y'all doing? How could you be doing this? And it, it, it broke her heart. She's like, I, we do love Jesus, <laughs> both my husband and I. And without even knowing any story or knowing anything, and it crushed her. I mean, she left. We're going to, I'm telling you, and I know you know this, and, and you, hear, you hear this out of my mouth almost every time I stand up here. We are called, God has, I love the fact that Galatians 4.16, it says that the spirit of grace has been poured into our lives. He saw fit to put his spirit in us. Does that not just knock you out of your head? I mean, it's like, what? He trusts me? He trusts us. And then he chose us to live in the last days. He double trusts us. He trusts us. He has given us his precious gift. The spirit of God lives on the inside of us. His grace. The revelation of God, the living God. If we could get a hold of that, he trusts us with his spirit. Yes, for us to get us into heaven, but it's not just for us. It's to be gracious to others. Jesus, when he walked on the earth, grace is his lifestyle, was it not? And what did the religious people do to him because grace was his lifestyle? They killed him. It wasn't accepting, was it? He hung around with thieves. He hung around with prostitutes. He hung around with sinners. He ate with sinners. Tax collectors. And that's why God says, my ways are not like your ways, but come on. We've got to get this grace message right. We still have to love on people. They need to know the love of God. Amen. I think about the story that Jesus tells about um, the workers and that, you know what? That's not, I I don't hear that very often. (laughs) The story from the workers goes like this. There's some hired hands that, that, there's a field that needs to be worked on. And this man hires, I don't know how many men. And he says, for a full day's work, I'll give you this much money. Let's say a hundred dollars today. You come and you work. And so he goes and he picks them up and he gets them all in the back of his truck and five or 10 guys pop in the back and he goes and puts them to work. Okay. A few hours pass. The man goes back. There's still men standing there that need work. He's so by this time it's noon. He picks them up. 
y'all need some work? They jump in the back of the truck. He takes them over, puts them to work. By this time, it's now 3.30, 4 o'clock. It's almost time to quit. He goes back out. There's still about five more guys out there that still need work. And he's like, y'all need work? Get in the back. They get in the back. They go out. Five o'clock comes. It's time for everybody to get paid. The, The man starts paying everybody $100, $100, $100, $100. The guys that worked all day are like... What? We're talking God's grace. This is how he does it. I worked all day. But you agreed to work all day for $100. But God's grace is the same for for the other one that only worked one hour. And you know what? Sometimes that doesn't compute in our minds. We're like, that's not fair. It's not fair. Grace isn't fair. Grace is kind of absurd, actually. It's pretty ridiculous if you ask me. And it is. But that's God's love. It's unmerited. It's undeserved. You mean I'm supposed to forgive? How many times should I forgive? Because I've already forgiven him five times. Aren't I doing good, God? And he says, five times? Really? How many times did he tell the disciples? Because the disciples were like patting themselves on the back. You know, I've forgiven. I've forgiven him this many times. And what did God say? Or what did Jesus say? 70 times 7. In other words, a whole bunch. That's grace. That's God's grace. You know what? If our, it is absurd to think that a daughter is supposed to forgive her father who has mistreated her her whole life. But if when he asks for it, you think, but he says yes. Or a mother to forgive her teenage son who has done the same thing over and over and over and over. That's God's grace. That's God's, that's God's forgiveness. You see, you can't separate God's grace and God's forgiveness. That is, they go together. They really do. And there's a world that needs to know that God is good because he's good to you. He's been good to you. We know the scriptures that say... You know, to whom much is given, much is required. And freely as you've received, freely give. Do you know what that's talking about? That's his grace and his love, his mercy. Now we know mercy means not giving you what you deserve, right? Have mercy means, you know, we get those words confused. Mercy is I'm not giving you what you deserve, but grace is I'm giving you what you surely don't deserve. You know, and none of us, none of us deserve what Jesus did on the cross. None of us, none of us. If we got what we deserved, aren't you glad for his grace and his mercy? I am, but I've experienced it. And here's, we were talking about this earlier this morning. Here's the thing with that grace message. I love that definition. Supernatural ability to walk out a relationship with him. Grace, if you've experienced it, you sh- should cause you to have a deeper love relationship with God. And that will make you not want to go back to sin. You won't want to. If you've really experienced the grace of God, the love of God. It just makes you want to draw closer to him, doesn't it? 
And then why would you want to walk away? I'm, if, if you want to have a greater understanding of God's grace and God's love in order to be that to somebody else, I'm going to invite you to stand up and pray with me. If you want to know his grace in a greater level than what you know him now, stand up and pray with me. Because here's a word that we don't like to use a lot. It's called responsibility. But that's what those scriptures talk about. To whom much is given, much is required. Freely as you have received, freely give. That tells me we now have a responsibility. We now have to respond to the ability that God has given us. And I know we don't like to use those words. I mean, those are not words we use. But grace given now means I have a responsibility. And I want a greater understanding of God's grace because I want to be more gracious. That means full of grace, full of God. I want it to be automatic. I don't want to have to go, okay, I said that and I, you know, said that and now I have to say I'm sorry and now I'll be gracious. It's like, no. Or to say, okay, I'll let you, you can breathe today, but you do this again and tomorrow you die. No. You know? Or this better be the last time because I am never, uh, we're not, uh, uh-uh. I may forgive you, but I will never forget. Okay. Is that grace? You know, it, it needs, to, it's like, clean me up, clean me up, God, clean me up. I need to understand grace a little bit better. There's, there is a world full of people out there, Pacos, that want to be brought back into a love relationship with their father, with their families. This isn't just true in us. This is true over nations. There are nations that are been fighting with other nations for hundreds of years and they don't even know why they're mad at each other. This is just the way we do it. We don't like those people. I don't know why we don't like those people, but we don't like those people. It's time. It really is time. It's time. Father, forgive us where we haven't shown your grace. Forgive us where we've judged. Forgive us where we have failed in being faithful to show the promise of your son and and the work that he did on the cross for us. Remind us, Lord, that you left heaven just like that shepherd that leaves the 99 to go look for that one lost sheep or that woman who looks after that one coin that she's lost, that that is you looking for me. You left heaven to come and find me, to bring me salvation, to restore me. I was that lost coin. I was that lost sheep. I was that prodigal son. And you hung on a cross, naked, just like that prodigal son's father ran, ran towards the son because he'd returned. 
Father, I thank you that you sent Jesus, and I thank you, Jesus, that you willingly laid your life down that I would have life. I don't take that lightly, Father. And I pray this morning for a greater, greater, greater revelation of your grace, of your love, and your mercy on my life, that I will be able to dispense that same grace, that forgiveness to others. I receive that responsibility. I thank you, Father, that everything that I do, everything that you've called me to do, you empower me to do it. I don't even do it on my own. Thank you, Jesus. Say, I receive the responsibility. To show grace. grace. Mm. Oh, thank you, Father. Mm. Say, Lord, I want a greater revelation revelation of this amazing grace. grace. Mm. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And if there's anybody in here, if you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, if we could have some music, just some soft music in the background, y'all can go ahead and sit down. But just stay in this prayerful mode. If there's anybody in here, if you, you can say to me, I don't know what you're talking about when you say being filled with the Holy Spirit. Every table has a leader at that table. But when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, I know Heather testified to this, things changed. The Holy Spirit is a teacher. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He is called a bystander. It is the spirit of grace. He's always with you, but he, but just like a gentleman, he's not he won't impose unless you give attention to him. He knocks. He's just kind of standing there. And, and, you know, the word says if you acknowledge him, that he will direct you. But you have to acknowledge him. And just like Heather said, she'd wake up every morning and every morning she would speak the word. She would say the word. She would get with God. When we say get into the word, it's God. It's Jesus. Jesus is the word. The word was with God. The word is God. You know? So you automatically begin your day with I acknowledge you, Holy Spirit, on the inside of me. I don't want to live out of my flesh. I want to live out of what you want me to do. So therefore, now I'm empowered by that grace. So when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we're saying, I don't want to just be, and I've I've seen it or I've heard it this way. It's like, the one that said it not too long ago they were talking about like the ocean was God and being in it was like we're walking we're saved we're walking we're we're filled I mean you're filled with it but it's like when you're filled with the Holy Spirit it's like a total immersion it's like I'm compared to me jumping in that water and it just becomes everything. I'm, it's a part of me. It's who I am. 
And that's what he desires. He yearns for it, the word said. We just read that. He yearns for it. He is a jealous God. He wants. To, he doesn't want to just be a part of your life just on Sundays and Wednesdays and just every, when I get around my Christian friends. He wants to be your life. Amen. And some of us need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit, I believe. And I learned a long time ago, and I've heard it different ways. When you raise your hands, you all, you're, you kind of look like you're this funnel. You're just kind of receiving. I mean, that's how, whenever somebody gives you a gift, here, I'm going to give you $100. What's the first thing you're going to do, Leah? She's going to put out her hand. Yes, she is. She is, because I just told her, I have a gift for you. Where is it? God's got a gift for you this morning. And if you need to be filled, if you want to be refilled, if you want to be double filled, close your eyes and put out your hands. Just close your eyes and put out your hands. I want more of you, God. Say, I want more of you, God. I want more. I want more, 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 more. Your word says that you give grace and more grace. I want more. I want more than I've ever had before. More, more than I've ever had before. I love that grace <laughs> to run your race. Hallelujah. He's got, he's, got, he's got something for each and every one of us to do. There's somebody on the other side of your obedience that needs to hear about this message of God's grace, how much he loves us. I will be obedient. Say, I will be obedient to share God's grace. Now, in your own words, just ask him to fill you. Fill me with your spirit, Lord. Fill me. Thank you, Lord. Reach out and just touch somebody and pray for them. I want somebody praying with somebody. Nobody praying alone. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for your empowerment. Thank you, Lord. Fill us. Fill us with more of you. More, more, greater understanding, greater revelation. Make us more hungry from, for you than we've ever been before. Father, because your word says that if we're hungry, you will fill us. Even the hunger comes from you. So we're asking you, make us hungry. Make us hungry for more of you. Oh, we call upon you, Lord. We call upon you, Lord. From the moment that we open our eyes, Father, we say, show us your glory, your power, your presence, your goodness. But it's not just to show us your glory so that we will show others. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, you're precious, Lord. I thank you. I just want to tell you this because I, I, the Holy Spirit is just showing me that 
you're saying, what am I supposed to say? And God is saying, if you'll just be obedient, I'll give you the words. Just open your mouth and I'll fill your mouth is what the word says. The Bible says, if you're obedient to open your mouth, I will fill your mouth. I will fill your mouth. That woman that had come into that church with her children after she'd gone through that divorce, she later said, if she would have just hugged me, if she would have just put her arms around me, because that's all I needed that morning was to be loved and accepted. And a lot of times that's all people need is to know that they're loved and they're accepted. That God loves them. I hear the heart of the father this morning and he's saying, I want my sons and daughters to come home. I want them to turn back and come home. And just as God sent Jesus, he's saying this morning, I send you. to go after that one sheep, the lost sheep, to go after them and have them turn back to me. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) They're going to see him through you. They're going to know his love through you. They will know his forgiveness through you. start to see divine appointments. You've made yourself available to the Holy Spirit. He's going, okay, I'm going to start filling up your calendar. Okay. He's going to give you divine appointments. And don't be afraid because that's just the enemy. Yeah, that's what he does. That's exactly what he does. He brings storms to keep you from going to the other side, just like Heather talked about. And so be be aware of the storm that's trying to keep you from the other side. I don't know what that storm can look like. It can, it can look like pain. It could look like a sickness. It can look like a car breaking down. It can look like waking up late. It doesn't, there's, it'll come in different forms, but be aware. This is just a storm to distract me. Okay, but he's, he's going to give you appointments, divine appointments. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, father. Amen. 
Isn't God good? God's amazing. This has been so good. We're right on time. Okay. Um, I want to give you the opportunity. At every table, there's under the table, there's also a basket. I want to give you an opportunity to um, to give. They're offering baskets. If you would like to to um, all the money that we take up when we have our meetings, it goes for our women's ministry for the church, and we bless widows. We, this is the money is used for when we go to the shelter, we provide meals for them. Um, we, we get involved with widows in Tanzania. We get involved in different places. So all the money that's ever collected through girlfriends, women's ministry here at heritage of faith goes towards the furtherance of the gospel to ladies, other women. We also have a ministry here that's called helping hands and it's for widows and single moms. Um, we've done things that like helped, um, helped with bills. We've done things and helped with car repairs and different things like that. So that's what the money goes towards. And I just want to bless this offering. I'm going to pray over it and pray over you that, that those that are giving father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, father, that you have equipped us. You've enabled us to be a ministry to people outside of these walls, father. And I thank you for the gift this morning and the giver, the person who is sowing. I thank you, father, that you are going to multiply it back to them a hundredfold. I'm just going to go there a hundredfold, a hundredfold, and that they will see, they will see your hand upon their lives, upon their finances, Father God. I thank you that you prosper them in every area of their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We have one more giveaway.